Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode 12. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business tonight. No, Beck, but we've got Stacey, and we welcome back Alex. Now, Alex, you have been busy, my friend. You have been buried in the, uh, well, what you call the NFL bunker. You are studying heavily for the NFL draft. I mean, we know that you take this thing seriously, but, you know, we're still a couple of months away. But, uh, no, look, in all seriousness, how are you feeling about the draft and, I guess, the NFL offseason? Um, you know, time doesn't really stop when you're, uh, when you're massive fans of this, uh, this sport that we love. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for the draft. I always love the draft just because it's such a exciting time because you don't know what trades are going to come in. You don't know what's going to happen on draft day. So it's just you can't sit here and predict it's going to go this way because you just never know, right? It was an exciting time last year for the Bears when they traded up for fields. I mean, I haven't been able to talk about the Bears for a while now, so i got to throw them in there for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the draft is great just because you like to see these college guys getting their shot in the NFL. Sometimes you kind of cringe with the teams they go for, but, yeah, no, I'm excited. And excited to see what happens in free agency as far as the offseason goes. Yeah, no, it's going to be pretty interesting. And it's also going to be like our first look at some of the new – uh, head coaches and some of their first sort of decisions in their new role. Um, Stacey, that's our listener question this week is everyone's curious about how we're feeling about some of these new hires, in particular Las Vegas Raiders. What's your thoughts on the, the hiring of Josh McDaniels from our beloved New England Patriots? Yeah, look, I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that I think that Josh McDaniels would make a great head coach, uh, meaning that he would have to leave our beloved Patriots. But I love this for him. Uh, he's such an amazing offensive mind. He's a huge loss to the Pats, but for him to be able to build that legacy with the Patriots and Tom Brady, and then showing that he was versatile enough to mentor Mac Jones, I think there's a great pick for Derek Carr. And it's kind of a Patriots party over there with a couple of more Patriots staff following him, which I'm not entirely pleased about, but go the Raiders. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence and, and only be, and I've spoken about this on previous episodes. What we do know with Josh McDaniels is this is it. This is the last opportunity after everything that happened at Denver. He went back. He paid his price, went back to New England. Um, He's been obviously a brilliant um, OC. I think, you know, there's a few people that thought, is it Brady? Is it Josh? Uh, Well, you know, you sort of bring Mac Jones into into the system as a rookie, and you can see, um, you know, how successful Josh has been. But this is, yeah, this is his last opportunity. And I guess my only concern is, guys, it's the AFC West. You've got Kansas City Chiefs twice uh, a year. You've got the LA Chargers twice a year, and these Denver Broncos, uh, I, I think they're sort of positioning themselves for one Aaron Rodgers uh, appears to be um, what they're doing. So, look, a very, very difficult division there. Josh is going to have to be successful in the first season. Uh, Alex, um, one positive, one negative. You're the deciding vote here. How are you feeling about Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, it can't get any more dysfunctional after what we just went through this season. 100%. I mean, really, it didn't really matter what the Raiders did. It was going to be a boost Right. I mean, it was going to be a plus for him just because of the season they had last year. Um, But I'll be interested to see with the personnel he's brought over from New England and what he does with Bo Hardegree as a quarterback coach as well and how they can combine their styles and see what they can do for the Raiders. Because there are some vets within the Raiders, so I don't know whether they might have some gelling issues, I think, to start off with, some growing pains, just as 
they kind of figure out what that team looks like now. But um, I think it'd be interesting to see what they can do with them. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we head to the AFC South as we feature the Houston Texans. Bit of a difficult season last year, finishing 4-13, and 13, not at the bottom of the division, uh, one win above the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, Alex, going to start with you. Um, you know, let's quickly unpack uh, a little bit of the history um, there in Houston because, you know, you've got a feel for their fans because it only seems like a moment ago, you know, you had the J.J. Watt era, you had Deshaun Watson who was who was there, you know, Bill O'Brien, you had the playoffs. It, it kind of felt like the Texans were really moving their way forward. So talk to us a little bit about the history of the Houston Texans in recent years and, uh, yeah, I guess what's gone wrong there? Yeah, I... <laughs> I think it, what's been tough about that one, I what think... It's unpack, isn't it, Alex? Besides yeah, it, it all, it's like, where to start? Yeah, right. And I think kind of, it was sad to see J.J. Watt leave, but I think when J.J. Watt left, like, you could see the Texans kind of imploding. And, and that's exactly what happened. And then Deshaun, everything happened with Deshaun Watson, and you were down your kind of star quarterback and what happened there. Um, so I think they then kind of went in panic mode a bit because they were like, what do we do? Like we don't, we didn't, we didn't plan for this. We didn't plan for him to be an idiot. Um, so, you know, it's tough being in that situation with your coaching staff because you kind of go, well, we have a backup. It's not great, but there's potential. And again, like I said, with a lot of these teams, they have potential, but I don't know if they're going to get there next year in two years. I think they've got to really, really rebuild everything. And I think they're doing a good job with their coaching staff as far as starting that journey. I don't even think you could say that they could end up being a like a plus 10 win team in the next five years, to be honest. Yeah, no, look, that, that's pretty fair. Oh, look, I'm not a spiritual person, but at what point do you start burning sage and start going through the the building to try and get rid of some of the, the bad voodoos there? It's, uh, look, you know, everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Texans. So, Alex, you, you, you hit it. You know, the, the coach, uh, Bill O'Brien, had a complete meltdown, became the GM, uh, was trading away players for nothing. Um, obviously, John, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, that was a very difficult pill to swallow. And basically, all the stars have been stripped out of Houston. Um, Sean Watson, obviously, very bad situation there. Um, you, you know, you've lost your, your star quarterback. Um, and Stacey, let's let's start to talk a little bit about the coaching situation. Look, I get a year ago, no one was putting their hand up for this job, but I, I said at the time, I felt like David Cully was literally going in there for just one year. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how to feel about this. Like, do we feel bad for the guy? He probably knows what he signed up for. He got well compensated, but, you know, he waited his whole life. He's in his late 60s, gets his one opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Bill Belichick would have been able to turn that around in 12 months. No, I mean, and it's kind of like that situation where there's so much pressure to make something happen that anything happening is a good thing. But I don't necessarily think... I think it was just one of those stepping stones to we're going to get our 
stuff together in the next three to five years. We just need someone to fill this position right now. We don't expect to win. We know we shot ourselves in the foot. Let's just try and rebuild. So I don't necessarily think there was anything that he did specifically to make the the garbage fire worse, Um, but I think that it was just a stopgap. Yeah, Alex, I'm a, I'm a bit of a softy there. You know, you, can, you know, clearly the, the you know the GMs they've got to make the tough decisions. They only won four games, which I thought was a miracle, by the way, with this squad. But uh, yeah, David Cully gets cut after only one season. All right, my friend, uh, give us a little bit of an insight into the new head coach. Try and give some um, some positive energy to Houston Texans fans um, as they try and embark on what is going to be a very long rebuild. But Lovey Smith um, gets announced as the head coach there uh, for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I, I like Lovey. I think he's a good coach. And I think it's nice to see Houston reward their staff with that head coaching role. I think they could have easily have gone out and gone, we're going to get somebody who's big, who's great, who's been there before. I mean, Lovey has been there before. He was the Bears head coach. He was the Buccaneers head coach. He was at Illinois as a coach as well. Um, he's been at Ohio State as a defensive backs coach. So, like, got to give props to the guy. He's been to all the places that I like. <laughs> so, I like him there. But, um, yeah, I-, I think this is a good pick for them just because I think Texans used to be strong defensively. Um, and-, and I think that's going to be their their bread and butter going back to it. So I think hiring Lovey is going to be good for them so they can kind of get back to what they were good at. And that was their defense. And so I think having a defensive-minded head coach is going to be good. I just hope they get him the right personnel as far as offense goes so they can build a good team underneath them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that I think that's you know again tough on tough on uh, on David Cully, but yeah, great to see that Lovey uh, gets that opportunity there. Um, Stacey, all right, let's quickly touch on the Deshaun Watson uh, situation. I think we can all agree it's just time to move on. I, I mean, I I know that um, you know the GM's trying to do the right thing by the franchise and get as many picks as possible, um, but I think he's come out in the media and said that he really needs to go before the start of next season. How are you feeling about that situation? We just got to get this guy out of the, out of the building, right? Definitely. Uh, he needs to go. I mean, you know, allegations of, you know, what he done, what he has done is, you know, not to, not to have a place in professional sport, um, but less on that and more on the fact that they need to get rid of him soon because the longer they keep him, the longer he loses value. Uh, so if they're going to get anything out of him that's worthwhile, um, they have to trade him before the death, uh, before free agency opens, just so they get maximum bang for their buck. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alex, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the the I, I guess accidental quarterback here in Houston because Davis Mills, we we kind of liked him, right, coming out of, out of Stanford. You know, he, obviously he came through a draft that was absolutely stacked with quote unquote generational talent. We'll, we'll see how Trevor Lawrence bounces back next. Uh, you know, uh, next season. But, you know, he, he just he just went quietly about his business in the draft. He, he got put in a very, very difficult situation. But, again, let's just circle these four wins. That was that was near impossible against some impressive opposition. Talk to us a little bit about Davis Mills because, um, yeah, it was pretty impressive for that, from that rookie. Yeah, I think so. And I think what's hard for him is that I think he probably would have been happy to sit back for a season and learn, and learn but he didn't get that. So I think... You got you got to give him credit where credit is due. Those four wins were were really good from him, and I think he shows a lot of potential. So I hope the Texans see the potential in him. Um, and even if you just get like a veteran as like a backup, kind of what Chicago did last year to 
kind of take them, take him under his wing and go, okay, in these situations, here's what you can do. I think he'll learn a lot from having something like that around him. Um, so if they wanted to explore that, but he, he was a good player. Like, you know, he had 66.8% completion. So he wasn't, he wasn't bad. You know, he was over 50%. Um, I, I just hope they get him more talent around him so he can be a little bit better. And I really think that it was, you know, of the four wins that they got, two being against the Titans and the Chargers, who were at the time at the height of their season. Like, Titans were on a roll, Chargers were on a roll, they were hot. Um, And for the Texans to come out and beat them, I think that was the only redeeming factor about the team that year. And I think that that is what kept fans along for the ride, because I don't know how many they would have kept if they didn't. I'm with you on that redeeming quality. And I think that's a a redeeming quality for Mills as far as a quarterback goes. Like what you do as far as stepping up against those big teams, do you crack under pressure or do you soar? And he stepped up and he got the win against, as you said, two teams that were at the height of their seasons. He was able to, you know, sit back down, if you will. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm going to go out with something a little bit, uh, well, probably a little bit bold here. I I think they need to keep Davis Mills, uh, Stace, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the quarterback class this year and I just feel like given that Davis has had a year in the system, I just don't see any quarterbacks in this year's class that can kind of compete with him. And to be honest, do you really want to go out and get a free agent quarterback into a, into a, you know, into a situation that's certainly not win now? Uh, it just feels like, um, you know, you know, exactly what Alex was sort of saying, you know, really just invest all of your capital in support for him and, you know, let, let's be honest, we're really building, as you said at the start of the episode, for four or five years' time. Yeah, completely. And, I mean, you know, you're exactly right. Keep Davis Mills because I think that they might have uncovered this gem in the woodwork accidentally. Uh, you know, and I think if they put the effort and the time uh, and give him everything that he needs, and I don't see why he can't be successful. But to Alex's point too, yeah, you probably want to get someone like your Joe Flacco or something like that. It's kind of like the mentor QB that is going around all the teams at the moment uh, to kind of lead him, you know, uh, along with all the other stuff that comes with the role. Yeah, absolutely. No, and look, it's, it's difficult for the young quarterback because Alex, you know, one of, one of the good things about getting uh, drafted later uh, in the draft is you get to go to a better team. <laughs> Davis, he, he got drafted later, didn't get the big payday, and then ends up at Houston. So difficult situation for him. Um, all right, Alex, let's now have a look at the roster. And what's clearly obvious to me is, uh, you know, we'll start off with negatives and then we'll talk about some of the, some of the, um, the shining lights there. The defense looks very, very light. Um, obviously, we know the situation. We spoke about it before. All the stars appear to be gone out of this roster um, but yeah, I mean, defense is looking pretty light here. Yeah, it is. And I think this is an area they really need to bolster. I think they really need to improve their rush defense big time. I mean, they need to improve their defense as a whole, but I really think that something that they were very good at with, when TJ Watt was um, there, JJ Watt was there, JJ Watt was there, not TJ. Jeez, too many Watt brothers, you know? It's like, just <laughs> have your own team, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when J.J. Watt was there, is he was that key aspect of their rush defense. And I think him leaving was a big – he left a big hole. Like, I mean, he's a big guy, so naturally he left a big hole. But, like, you know, mentally he left a big hole too. So I think that's something that they really need to kind of get back to is that rush defense and really kind of plug those holes um, so they can be a little bit better in stopping the run. You're funny tonight. I really like it. Um, but – 
on on that topic, I mean, their defense, yes, it's light, but there's definitely some talent in there. I mean, we're talking Desmond King, cornerback, very, very good. Justin Reed, not a bad safety, uh, you know, and then you're looking at guys like Christian Kirksey, like, you know, a little bit of experience I don't think goes astray, but I think they just need one of those big key positions to, like Alex said, fill the J.J. Watt hole that's been left in that team. Yeah, as Stacey said, there's some good defense, and I think Lovey is going to be able to do a good job with this defense because I think, again, I think they have a lot of potential. And I think they just need to have someone that is willing to tap into that potential and really get the most out of these guys. Yeah. And every single uh, player that they bring on the defensive side, they just have to hit. I, I don't. It doesn't matter whether they're using a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a free agent. They have to come in and be exceptional. And, and it can happen. doesn't always happen. But this entire class with the Texans has to really shine uh, to try and lift them up. All right, we spoke about the negatives. Let's flip it over to the offense, who stays... Surprise, surprise, was pretty handy at different stages. And you've got a lot of love for their uh, their little running back. Uh, has a little bit of a tie to your favorite team. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, there were a few sort of offensive pieces that played okay, um, you know, during last season. Oh, definitely. Rex Burkhead is extremely, uh, un- I wouldn't say underrated. He's just someone that you don't expect to be awesome. But when he is awesome, it's really great. So I was actually really lucky to pick him up in my fantasy team the week that he just went off. And I was like, yes, Rex Burkhead, you go get it like you did back at the Patriots. Um, so I think he provides a lot of heart and a lot of like, you know, what he had done at the Patriots was be that kind of muscle dude that would just, you know, run through a brick wall for a guy. So that was really good. I mean, Brandon Cooks too, you know, receiver spent has been around a long time. And I think that, uh, you know, Alex and I, we were talking offline about how he just needs to be in a different system because he's exceptional coming from uh, from the Rams. You know, he's played for ages. And I think that offensively, uh, they've got a lot going for them because they've even had Rex Burkhead through a pass last year. Danny Amendola through a pass last year. Um, so I think that their offense is interesting enough um, that they can really fill that with some talent from the draft and give Mills, someone really good to, you know, have as their number one. Yeah, I, I, I loved Brandon Cooks, and I always try and pick him for a fantasy just because I think he's a, he's a solid player. He's a consistent player. I think for the Texans, they've got to get him that second receiver. So, like, if Cooks is marked, who do you go to, right? Yes, they can run the – they you know, have no issues running the ball, but the next guy after Cooks mm-hmm. is Nico Collins, with, and he had 446 yards as far as receiving out of a whole season. So I'd be looking to get him then like a, like a young gun, second wide receiver, not Chris Olave, but just somebody like Chris Olave who they can just put out there. Who's going to go like, if you can find another Jamar Chase, go get another Jamar Chase. (laughs) That's exactly it. Because as much as um, some of these plays were impressive, they're second or third options on every other team in the league. So, you know, you're really stretching them out to be able to try and be that number one running back, that number one right wide receiver. The reality is these guys are getting older. Uh, they shouldn't be in that position. They should be complementary players, um, certainly not relied upon as stars. So hopefully the Texans can kind of do that. Um, Alex, just quickly before we talk predictions for next season, uh, Laramie Tunsil, uh, how do you feel about this one? It costs a lot to go out and get a younger left tackle. Seems to have worked out pretty well you know it's obviously difficult on draft night you know the last draft where they didn't have those picks there but how did you feel uh the Texans came out of that trade um you know I I guess it's good to get a little bit of protection there for the QB 
Yeah, it's good to get a little bit of protection. I just sometimes with the trades, you just never really know what's going to happen. And again, I think there's more potential for him to get, you know, a little bit better. So as far as that trade goes, you know, you're home and you're home. I mean, there's argument for both sides. Was it a good one? Was it a bad one? You can see benefits to both sides. So I guess we'll kind of see in this. I think you got to wait the second year after the trade to kind of see what happens because they kind of get in their groove. So I think really we'll see the benefit or no benefit to this trade in the second year. Yeah, young left tackles are not cheap. The Texans had to find that out the hard way. Miami Dolphins getting a ton of picks there from the Texans. All right, guys, it's time for our predictions. Now, Alex, we're going to be, uh, you know, the question, I'm going to be pretty direct here, is can they better their record of four wins? It's as simple as that. Um, yeah, new head coach, obviously they're, uh, they're in a bit of a rebuild. What's your thoughts on this? Can they do better than four wins in this upcoming season? I'd like to think so. I think they've got to get rid of Deshaun Watson. They've got to get rid of every, um, you know, distraction. And I think Deshaun Watson was a big distraction for that team last year. And that kind of took away kind of their ability to like play the ball sometimes and just play football because everyone was like, oh, Deshaun Watson, what's going to happen here? And then when, you know, the trades were going on with Miami and it was like, what are they going to do here is – you know, two are going to go to, you know, Houston. So then there was just so much media hype around them that sometimes it's hard to ignore. So I, I, I think they might get six, seven. I'm going to go six or seven wins because I think with Mills kind of having a little more experience underneath him, he might be able to pull off a couple more more wins. But six or seven wins is about as far as I'm going to go. So it's going to be seven, six and 11, I think. Yeah, I'm going to say this with not a lot of confidence. I'm going to give him one more win. And that's only because I respect Nick Casario in that GM role. You know, he's an ex-Patriots guy. They're trying to build like a little Patriot South. And I think they've got a long way to go there. But um, yeah, look, uh, pre-draft, it's very, very difficult. They're going to have to have an elite draft. Every every uh, pick is going to have to be perfect on the night. Hopefully Nick can deliver that five wins for me. Stacey, what, what are, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Alex, and we didn't talk about this prior, so I really like that. So, but I'm going to give them the seven. I'm going to give them the extra one, so I'm going to go seven and ten um, just because I think that there is every possibility that they could do this draft right um, and we could have a, you know, a Bengals-type build on our hands if they play it the right way. Uh, so, yeah, I'm giving them seven, going for seven. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! All right, Alex, it's draft season. I can see you buzzing. I can see that big smile. Uh, The excitement is building. And uh, on tonight's match, we're looking at some of the best offensive tackles in the draft, and they are two amazing players. We've got Evan Neal coming up against Akeem Ikwanu. Uh, Let's start with Evan Neal. Alex, uh, you know, know, it feels like every year you do have that special talent in the draft. It appears we found one here in Evan um, coming out of the Alabama system. Yeah, you got to love those Alabamas of – Alabama players that come out of into the draft like they just they're solid players because I think they come from a great system so they always have potential to be really good NFL players but I think for this guy if you look at a lot of kind of the reports coming out of the draft this is the top guy that the Jaguars want to try and hit so while I feel bad for him in that sense <laughs> like that's tough and a little bit rough but you know, it could. I think that that would be a good pick for the Jaguars. 
Stace, uh, you know, well, let, let's quickly go over his physical attributes uh, to start with. So, 21 years of age, six foot seven, 160 kilos. This guy, he, he means business, that's for sure. But, you know, one of the things, you know, that, that's exactly right. Alex is right. You know, Evan is going to go early in the draft, he's going to go to a bad football team. You know, what do you want to do when you're a bad football team? You want to bring winners into your organization. I'm looking at Evan's CV. He doesn't know how to lose a game of football. Uh, He's certainly delivered in a lot of championship matches. Um, You know, what's your thoughts on that? Can one player really shift things for a franchise? Um, You know, because, you know, Evan's just going to destroy anyone that gets in front of him. Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, in short, that left tackle position can be an entire team changer. And I think the only question that Doug Peterson's going to have to think about, he, ne- he needs an elite, like he needs the most elite blindside blocker in the business to keep Trevor Lawrence safe. And I think when you're looking at these two from that standpoint, Evan Neal, um, he suits that system in the fact that he will protect Lawrence with his life. I mean, physicality-wise, I mean, he's big, he's strong, his lateral mobility, um, you know, is really good. But what I like about him too is that he has the best balance and the strength, I think, in the entire class, which is going to suit them really, really well. Um, You know, downsides to him is that, you know, he's still having some issues, uh, you know, identifying blitzes and stunts uh, up there up front in the defensive line, but that's just football IQ and that can be taught. Um, And then the only other negative I've seen from him is his lateral movement uh, to be able to get up to that second level on a run block um, can improve too, which again is conditioning. Uh, So essentially you could have like, you know, a a 99 out of a hundred left tackle in uh, in Neil, but you know, if, if it was me, I would be going for Akeem Okonu, but that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I love that. And Alex, I'm going to get your opinion on Akeem very, very uh, shortly. But just quickly, when you are paying so much, such a high price, when you're paying this top draft capital, you really want a guy who can protect from day one. But we've seen it go the other way. We've seen some of these rookie tackles really struggle in their rookie season, trying to predict ahead. Again, he's going to go to a bad football team. What's your thoughts on Evan? Do you think he's going to be able to, I guess, hold up in that rookie season? Uh, Yeah, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, I think for me, it's, as Stacey said, he's got some things he needs to learn. So it's whether or not Doug Peterson and the staff around him can teach him those. And if they can pick it up, I think preseason will be their telling factor for him. I think if he can pull off when he needs to pull off in preseason, he should be fine. But if he can't protect, um, Trevor Lawrence, I think then they're going to have another bust. Not that they didn't have a bust draft pick with Trevor Lawrence, but they're going to have another bust traffic on their hands and i would hate to see that for the jaguars i mean not really but it'd just be like you know part of the course for them he's definitely got to get into the right system there because you just don't want that quarterback getting hit in evan's uh, first year that's for sure all right stace you let us into it let's talk about akeem uh, a special player in his own right uh coming out of nc state six foot four 145 kilos again another physical specimen but as you sort of touched on a little while ago plays a little bit different to evan and um you know he could be you know, it's hard to, you know, when you look at the two players side by side, it's hard to believe, but there will be franchises out there that will have Akeem higher on their draft board. Oh, completely. And that uh, that kind of goes with the kind of culture that you want to have from your offense. I mean, if you look at Akeem, he is physically dominant. He's not as big as Evan, but he's super lean 
and his hands are amazing. Like if he gets hands on you, you are done. Like run you into the ground, put you on your ass, pancake style kind of run blocking. Um, you know, and that that for me can sort of uh, affect the way that the offense like works. But again, you know, you want that physically dominant left tackle to go out and just blow people up, um, which Akeem Okwono can do. Uh, Alex, it's really interesting when you study the board to try and work out where a lot of these players are going to land. Uh, you know, uh, you know, looking at Detroit Lions, they are a really interesting situation because, you know, they have Penesul who, um, you know, came out of Oregon. It would be really interesting to see whether you whether you had a franchise that doubled down and kind of moved him out of that left tackle position and put him, you know, whether it's on the right or, or you know, potentially maybe even a guard position. Too talented not to have him at a right tackle at least, but... Um, you know, you, you're trying to you know trying to push these 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 elite players to some of the better teams in the draft. But yeah, what's your thoughts here? Do you think it came an out and out left tackle, or would you like to see him land in a um, yeah land in a position where he could potentially play on the right? Um, I think sometimes when you move these guys from left to right tackle, they they take a minute to kind of like figure it out. So I think if you really kind of want him to come out firing, like he is the top guard prospect as far as I'm concerned. And when you look at reports, you look at the board, the top guard is, is a team. So I think I would keep him at left tackle and I, I, I would, I, you know, if Detroit want to go for him, I say go for it and move Penesel to to the right and have those two there. Cause I think they could be really dynamic and really kind of, kind of scary together. I think that Dan could also be right in that when I first looked over Akeem's like profile and the way that he works as a football player, I definitely didn't think that he was in the right position at left tackle. I think, you know, you, you want that right, you know, on the right side, like predominantly to be able to take a lot of that run block, uh, situation kind of stuff and just go downhill real fast. And I think that he's that kind of guy. And I don't know. I think you're right, Dan. I think that he maybe shouldn't be on the left tackle side. Yeah, it, it's hard because each and every year I like to to, to baby the, the left tackles that come out of the draft. I like to slide them over to the right, uh, let the vet play left tackle, you know, get sort of used to the system and then slide them over late in their career. But uh, look, unfortunately, the, there's just some franchises that aren't in that position and they have to put their feet to the fire straight away. And look, we saw with we, we saw last year with Rashawn Slater um, with the LA Chargers. I mean, you know, he, he was truly special. If these guys could sort of, you know, perform at that level, I, I think, um, you know, franchises will be very happy. All right, Alex, you know, again, these matches are very difficult. I guess tonight's is a little bit challenging because they are so different in terms of the way in which they play. Um, you know, you're, you're up, you're, you've, you've, you've turned your card in on NFL draft night. Where are you going here, uh, Evan or Akeem? I'd go with Akeem because as Stacey kept mentioning, he's a little more slimmer, he's a little more nimble. He's not as big. So I think that nimbleness is kind of, will be kind of his why are you laughing, Stace? It's nimbleness. I right? don't even know if nimbleness is a word. Dude. It is now. I don't okay. care. It's a new word Mojo Sport just made up for the podcast. His ability to move quickly, is that better? Right? It might work in his favor, especially when it comes to protecting the quarterback and, you know, blocks a little bit further afield. So I'm going to go with Akeem and yeah. his nimbleness. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, I hate to... Uh you know, give AFC competition too many hints. But, uh, yeah, I've got a feeling that Jacksonville are going to go uh, number one with Evan uh, Neal there. Uh, 
you know, so it's a bit of a scary pro- uh, prospect in terms of giving Trevor Lawrence some time in the pocket. But yeah, look, you know, he's not an absolute sure thing. Uh, but I, I hope it's successful. Get the coaches around him. Uh, Evan, for me, um, you know, I, I I do concede that I think Akeem's got got the higher ceiling, uh, but I think Evan's got got the lower floor there. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and go Evan. Um, Stace, you get the deciding vote here. Which way are you going? As we are the Jags. Um, I would take Evan uh, just because Trevor Lawrence is a, like, he's a pass leading threat. They need to be able to protect his blind side. Um, and like you said, you know, Evan's got the best floor uh, as far as that goes. But if I was any other team, I would definitely be taking a team. I mean, especially if you're trying to build up that dominant running back, like in the backfield kind of situation, that's who you want in front of your running back. So the Jags are so focused on Trevor Lawrence right now, they need to do what's best for them and take Evan. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and guys, an interesting question I've got for you in rapid fire uh, this week, and that's we're headed back to the free agent market, and I want to know what what is your, I guess, your key signing that the, that the Texans should look at. And Alex, I was, I was going to sort of slide in the joke of you know let's sort, sort of hand the uh, hand the uh, I guess. Uh, wallet around, try and sort of, you know, build a bit of a fund there for the Texans. But it's not so much they don't have the money to spend. It's trying to attract these players to these franchise. So um, I guess, yeah, I want to know what's the number one player they should be targeting and um, talk to us a little bit about the challenges that some of these franchises have in terms of being competitive in the free agent market. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting free agent market. I'm kind of excited to see where a lot of these players go. I think if I was the Texans, again, I'd be looking at their defense and try and bolster that there. Um, So I would go edge in Chandler Jones from Arizona Cardinals. Um, You know, in his – in. He got injured, I think, in 2020, but he came back in his first week. He had a seven-pressure, five-sack game. So, again, we're talking about that rush defense for the Texans. So, let's improve it there. Right strength, length, and hand usage as a pass rusher, pass rush repertoire, and converting pressure to sacks. So, that is just going to improve their pass rush, uh, their run, their rush defense alone. (laughs) It's been a long week, and it's only Monday. (laughs) His weaknesses, however, miss tackles and taking on blocks. You can kind of see when he goes up the block, he's a little bit more hesitant. He's not as strong there, and he really needs to improve on his, his tackle ability. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. And, you know, Chandler, he, he has these moments where he'll go through these months where he's just completely dominant and he takes over the entire league. So if you could just bottle that and kind of, you know, spread it out a little bit where he doesn't have to be so high, sort of bring him down a little bit, but, you know, a little bit more consistency throughout the year, um, you know, he could be someone uh, truly special, that's for sure. Look, for me, uh, you'll look, you couldn't go too wrong in the draft, or sorry, in free agency when it comes to uh, the Texans, but I'd be looking at the safety position. Uh, it's a little bit concerning when, when I've, you know, doing a little bit of research on the draft, it does look a little bit thin. So, um, you know, this is the thing that the GMs have really got to balance is, you know, you don't go out and get a free agent when there's a ton of resources available in the draft that's potentially going to be cheaper, right? So, you know, if they're a little bit short on safeties in the draft, I think Marcus Williams um, out of the Saints, if they could try and beg, borrow, steal, slash overpay, I, I think that could be a good option for the, that secondary 
Uh, all right, Stacey, um, again, a little bit tricky. There's plenty of free agents out there at the, at the moment. What's your sales pitch uh, to come to Houston and uh, which player are you going with? Come to Houston, um, help us. I like it. I, I, I think that's where we're going yep. with that. But um, the position that I'm actually looking at, like I'm looking at the current tight end in Farrah Brown. Like he's trash. No good. 23 reps, uh, twenty-three receptions, 147 yards, zero touchdowns, one fumble. I mean, you can improve on that even without trying. And there's so many great, um, great options in this free agency period. But Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, I think, would be a great pickup for these guys. Um, he's ability to kind of flesh out their receiver core after they, you know, find a number two receiver um, and give Davis like that third option, that steam valve. We know he can catch. We know he can run. We know he can block. Um, so give him someone that's a little bit of a sure thing down there in the tight end position. Texans just need to help one and sign on their website. That's all. Yeah, just get one sign up there. Yeah, no, Stacey, Alex, I, I like that. Really simple. Um, so, you know, people aren't going to forget your message there. But, uh, yeah, SOS, someone, please save the Houston Texans. Let's see if they can get a few free agents to go with their NFL draft class. And uh, we'll, we'll check back in with our predictions to see how close we were as we look ahead to next season. All right, guys, well, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate you. Hey, it is the off-season, but we continue to bring more and more NFL content. Uh, the NFL draft is some of the best uh, well, best football coverage you're going to have all year, so tune in for that. Uh, continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next time, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.